Good morning, good morning. Thank you so much for joining me. This is the podcast, The God of Abraham. I'm your lovely host, Leslie Sullivan. Today is episode two, and I wanted to talk about something that I heard recently that I do not agree with, and I wanted to pinpoint this because I've heard this before in times past, and I'm not a fan of it. I understand where some people are coming from when they say these things, but they really need to read the Bible. So um, I heard a sermon And there was a, a woman giving the sermon. I was not a big fan of her sermon at all. I'm all for women preaching. I think that's great. Uh, women make wonderful preachers and teachers. That's wonderful. They make great pastors. It's just I, for one, very much listen to the message, and I really do dive into what they're saying, whether they are male or female, whatever the case may be. And this female pastor, um, she said that that they do not believe in the prosperity gospel, but yet. She's preaching from God's holy word, and she was actually reading from different、uh, verses from the Old Testament, and she was talking about Abraham a little bit. Not really detailed, not very knowledgeable about him, which was very disappointing to me, because I thought, oh, she, you know, she's going to be talking about Abraham. This is probably going to be good. No, it was not.、Um, her voice is very soft and quiet at times, and so there are times I was falling asleep because I didn't really care to listen to her. Because I was like, oh, here we go. She doesn't know what she's talking about. But then when I was awake and more, you know, paying more attention because she wasn't putting me to sleep anymore,、um, what she had to say was not accurate. So she is against what is called the prosperity gospel or the prosperity teaching. Now here's the thing: I can see where people have taken the phrase prosperity gospel, or they have taken. Some teachings out of the Bible, which are never supposed to take something out of the Bible, you you leave it there and you study it, and you make the Bible a part of you, not you a part of the Bible. You know there there's a difference in interpreting God's holy word. So she didn't go into great detail about what she really meant, but I I understand partly, and I mean just a small fraction of what she's talking about. So I'm guessing what she's talking about is people saying that,、um, well, you know, God wants everybody to be rich, and that if you believe in God, you're going to get rich. That is what some people call the prosperity gospel, and there's truth in it, and then there's not. So here's the thing: if you are one of God's children, and you believe in the God of Abraham, and you're doing things His way, He will make you rich. That is true. That is very much a true statement because God blesses His children, and a perfect example of this is Abraham. Abraham, his original name was Abram. Once he had a covenant、uh, with God, or once God established a covenant with Abram, he changed his name to Abraham, and part of that covenant was to make him very blessed, very prosperous, not only in his seed. And having children and grandchildren and great grandchildren and things of that nature, but also Abraham became very wealthy, very rich. And so I just wonder if there are some people that are against the prosperity gospel because they don't understand what it means to be prosperous. And I don't mean that harshly. It's just I don't think they fully grasp what it meant back then to be prosperous and what it means today. So back in biblical times, what it meant to be prosperous and to be blessed by God was to own a lot of land, have a, a tremendous amount of livestock, whether it's cattle, goats, sheep, camels, you know, chickens, whatever the case may be, they had over there in the Middle East. Also, 
you had gold, you had silver, you had all these different types of currency. And also you had fabrics. So people may not know this, but there were many different types of merchants. I would say way more way back in biblical times because it wasn't I don't want to say it wasn't manufactured, but they did not have the industrial revolution. So literally if you want a certain type of fabric, whether it was linen or flaxseed or the, whatever the case may be, you had to go to that specific person because they were the only vendor to have that. So needs to say in the Bible when it says that someone was blessed by God and very rich, we're not just talking about coins because you have to remember did they have a banking system? Yes. But they didn't have banks like what we have today. So whenever someone had a lot of wealth back then, it stayed with them. It stayed within their house. That's why there was always a concern about invaders or trespassers or enemies or hoodlums or you know different things like that. Like I I would think it was more intense back then, not that those things aren't serious today. But if you don't have a banking system like what we have today, then you basically are your own depositor, you are your own bank, but you do have a currency that takes place within your society. So, it's one of those things that Whenever you're looking back in time, you have to, you know, really take stock of what was going on during that time. What was the I would say the financial environment like? What was the financial banking system like? And what was real estate like? So, you know, are there similarities? Yes, for sure. But there's also tremendous differences. I would say that if we had to compare biblical times like during Abraham's time to today, Abraham's time was more tribal. But it wasn't like hunter gatherer like Africa, you know, cannibalism, shrunken heads, it wasn't like that at all, but it was more tribal than what we have today. So it needs to say prosperity God's way includes mostly tangible things. Because in order to be prosperous, you have to have money. You have to. So, you know, let's take a look at today's time frame, right? So, prosperity today means pretty much exactly the same thing as what was taking place during Abraham's time and pretty much all throughout the Bible. When you're prosperous today, and this is the year 2023, right? When we talk about prosperity today, what do you think of? Why well, think of currency, regardless of what country you live in? I think of currency. real estate do you own your own house do you own a car do you make a lot of money i don't necessarily think about livestock because livestock is its own industry so it's one of those things that in order to to have livestock or or in order to have meat you know like for example to have a steak you don't have to have a herd of cattle in order to have meat whereas back in biblical times if you wanted a a rack of lamb you had to have a flock I would say a flock or herd I would say of sheep you just did. Um if you want steak you had to have cattle. Um if you wanted pork if you wanted bacon which they didn't really eat pork during different times it, it kind of varies and and when they could eat pork and when they could not it kind of varies a little bit because it kind of depends on okay are you Jewish are you Gentile are you living in this region or that region and basically what does God give you permission to do? So, needs to say, if you wanted pork, if you wanted bacon, you had to have pretty much a herd of swine. 
You couldn't just go to a Walmart, hopefully never a Target, because the stuff they've been doing lately with the LGBTQ community, which is very immoral and disgraceful to our society. But my point is this: is that back in biblical times, you, you did have a town square and you did have a marketplace, but you did not have supermarkets. You just didn't.、Um, if you needed meat, and you did not live near a market or a marketplace. You would go to your neighbor and offer to barter, or or if it was a feast day,、um, and your household was small, it was customary back then in biblical times in the Old Testament for you to join someone else's house to like, for example, celebrate the Passover, right? So it's one thing, it's one of those things that that you shared, but it wasn't communal, it wasn't communism, it wasn't fascism, it wasn't socialism. So one of the things I picked up on from this woman that was teaching. To me, she sounded like a little fascist or a little socialist. I mean, she was talking about how when she was younger, when she was a teacher, she or she had graduated with a teaching degree and she wanted to see the world. So first, she went to Japan, but then she went to Hungary,、uh, I think Budapest, and oh, she just couldn't stop talking about it. And so, what's interesting is that you know, she didn't actually live there as a citizen or as a worker. She lived there as a foreigner, basically taking an extended vacation. But she gets to teach while she's there, so she gets to basically live in, in the wonderfulness of Europe and, and earn a living. But she's not a citizen, so I always find it interesting whenever Americans get this kind of goo goo gaga look in their eyes whenever they go visit somewhere and maybe they work there and it's all like a temporary visa. That is not the same as being born and raised somewhere. So. This this woman, she did not see the bad side of Europe. Why? Because she's looking at it from a tourist point of view. So she gave an example of where she got lost, and I thought it was pretty stupid that she didn't know that public transport、uh, back in this time—it's probably like twenty or thirty years ago—she didn't know that that it shuts down around one or two o'clock in the morning. It's like, well, if you live somewhere, if you're a tourist, you're supposed to know about those things. Like, you're supposed to look into it. So the point of her story was. She was lost. She felt lost, and she just kept walking. So she had to、uh, basically leave a trolley or tram or whatever because it shut down. And so she just had to start walking home. It took like over an hour or something. But that's her stupidity, unfortunately. But she was also really young, so I understand that. It's easy to get lost when you're not from that area. But she did something really smart. She she looked for things that she recognized, basically landmarks. And women are really good at this because I'm more of a landmarks gal myself. I memorize things by landmarks and also right and left directions. Like if someone tells me, "We'll go a mile down this way," I'm like, "I have no idea what a mile means. I, I don't know and I don't care." You know, just just give me landmarks. Give me you know, give me something that's blatantly obvious. Well, that's kind of how she was thinking, and so she eventually made it back home to her student housing. And you know, what's interesting is that. She, she was trying to make a comparison, I guess, to Abraham, but I don't think Abraham ever felt lost. I, I, you know, I just don't see that in the Bible. So here's the thing: I think she's trying to draw a point that you know Abraham had to leave his basically his family, his native land, and and move forward and go where God said. But that doesn't mean you're lost. If anything, that means you're found, because. God never forsakes you. God never abandons you. So, I personally don't think Abraham felt lost. 
Because you know Abraham and God were very close. Abraham walked with God. You know Abraham is is one of the figures, one of the few figures in the Bible that God created a covenant with him and he walked with him and he always spoke highly of Abraham. Like they they were just very close. And what's interesting is that whenever Abraham made a request, God listened to him. Other people were were very much too fearful to even look at God. But Abraham, you know, he he had the the courage and the I would say the I'm trying to think of the right way to say it. Probably the best way to say it is that he knew that he was a child of God. He knew that God could kill him, but he also knew that God could save him. So he knew that God you know was and still is a very powerful I would say force because he is our heavenly father so Abraham he's one of the few people in the bible that was extremely close to god so you know whenever you are extremely close to someone especially your heavenly father when god asks you to do something i don't think it dawns on you or i don't think fear resonates with you i think it tries to approach you because fear is from the enemy But I don't think Abraham actually felt lost. I really don't, because I think if Abraham felt lost, it would have first of all been documented in the Bible. Number two, I think that would have affected his relationship with God, because you know what's interesting is that fear is part of feeling lost. And when you have fear, that means you don't have faith. That that means you don't have confidence. That 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 means that you're not relying on God in the way that you are supposed to rely on Him. And so for some reason that this woman she she brought up the this statement that that they don't believe in the prosperity gospel and I almost yelled at her. I was like the Bible does. <laughs> the God of Abraham does. Read the Bible. Read it. All throughout the Bible there is blessing, there is prosperity, there is healing, there is favor. So, you know, unfortunately There are bad preachers everywhere, and there are some that take it to the extreme about money and and things like that. And here's the thing: greed is greed. But here's the thing: wanting prosperity is not greed, and it's not wrong. It's actually a good desire from God. And you're probably thinking, well, wait a second. You know, in the Bible it says to give all you have to the poor. That's not true. That is not true. Unfortunately, people will take things out of the Bible, twist it, manipulate it and say, "Oh, it's holy to be poor." Did you know that to be poor is actually to be cursed? Poverty is not a blessing, it's a curse. And so what some people will use and thank goodness this woman didn't use this example, they will take the example of the rich young ruler that Jesus speaks to in the gospel and you know this this rich young ruler he says well lord i've done all these other things what can i do to inherit eternal life like what can i do to be even better well that's a that's a very stupid statement for a young person to make oh look at me i've done all this i've obeyed all the laws i'm educated i've done all this guess what the moment you open your mouth in arrogance that's the moment you're going to fall because pride comes before the fall right so Jesus knew this guy had a problem with greed. 
So he knew that the solution to this guy's problem was for him to give away everything and give it to the poor. Because this guy needed to be humble. He needed to have a a reawakening of what it means to rely on God as opposed to your wealth. God is not against wealth. That's not why Jesus told him to give all of his his fortune away. Jesus, you know, you know it's very interesting is that whenever you sow into the kingdom, God blesses you abundantly. Sometimes a hundredfold. So if God was against money and prosperity, then every time you sowed into the kingdom or every time you tithed, you would never ever see a return. But that's not how it works. I think a lot of people miss out on what is called seed time and harvest. You know, if God was against prosperity, if he was against wealth, then every time you and I planted a seed, nothing would happen. absolutely nothing and we would probably all starve to death but god is not the author of death and disease that comes from the evil one so it's the devil that wants us to think oh god's against money he doesn't want you to be happy he doesn't want you to have a mansion he doesn't want you to make millions of dollars that's not true god actually wants us to make millions billions trillions quadrillions he wants to make he wants us to make so much that we have so much to give and that none of us are poor here's the thing that is not communism that is not fascism that is not socialism that is not marxism but every single one of those things i just mentioned they target rich people they target capitalism and they claim that well communism is a claim it's for god because communism it it institutionalizes atheism but every single one of those forms of government i just mentioned that goes after capitalism it claims that oh well if you care about poor people you know you will give more to the government that's not what god says to do that's not what he says to do at all god does say to obey the laws of the land but god's law and all of his laws supersede every law of the land otherwise if all you're doing is going along with the laws of the land you're making your government your god that is never wise so needs to say i've noticed that whenever people have a strong impression of europe and they they are easily mentally manipulated by the i would say the glamour and the historical features of Europe like they see the beauty of Europe but but they don't see the struggle they don't see the lack so because all they see is the architecture and the beauty of Europe they don't see that hey it took money to build that and if you're against money then you can't build anything you can't pay your bills that's a big problem huge problem so needs to say the god of abraham is not against money God created money. God created wealth. He wants you and I to be super abundantly wealthy. So needs to say whenever you hear a squirrely message like that, you need to pray for that person because I know that this woman does not represent the entire church that I go to. I know she does not. Because you cannot have a successful church and preach poverty. 
You cannot have healthy, wealthy, happy, blessed members if they are broke, poor, sick, hungry, starving. It just doesn't happen. So needless to say, please read the Bible. Please read all of it. Give God a chance to speak to you instead of you just trying to tell God what he means. And that's what I felt like this woman was doing. Cuz she was taking a scripture out of context and and not doing so appropriately. And she was even quoting a big old chunk of scripture and her sermon was so long. I was rolling my eyes. I was like, "When is this woman going to when is she going to shut up?" And I don't mean that disrespectfully. It's just like I can only take so much. I really can. So plus if it's not a good message, I'm just rolling my eyes at this because I'm like, "I expect better. I expect better." And so Let me close with this. I have a poster. I'm going to get up and go stand near this poster I have in my house, but it's called the 77 names of God. I came across this uh I would say about probably 5 to 7 years ago when I was studying the God of Abraham and I was really diving into it. what does it mean to worship and serve the God of Abraham. And so I came across this this poster and it lists all the different names of God. Now this is the Hebrew way of looking at this. This is not Muslim. Muslim is very much pagan, it's a cult, and they have what's called the 99 names of God, and it's not coming from the Bible. It's coming from the Quran and it's coming from Muhammad who is there basically a false prophet. So this is not the 99 names of God. This is the 77 names of God, and this is directly from the Bible and also directly from the Torah. And the Torah That includes the first 5 books of the Bible. So Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers and Deuteronomy. Very interesting there. And what's interesting is that all throughout the Bible, but especially in the Torah, it talks about the blessing of God. You know, basically the blessing of Abraham. And there's abundance there. But I want to read these names off to you and I'm not going to list off all the Hebrew names because some of them are hard to pronounce, but I'll do what I can. But again, this is the 77 names of God, okay? The first one is Yahweh, that is Hebrew. That one is uh, translated as the self-existing one. Next one is Yahweh Bore. That is the Lord the creator. Next one is the Lord a consuming fire. Next one is the Lord thy redeemer. Next one is the strong and mighty Lord. Next one is the Lord our defense. The next one is the Lord that smites. Next one is the Lord our lawgiver. Next one is the Lord our sanctifier. Next one is the Lord my my deliverer. Next one is the Lord my fortress. Next one is the Lord my high tower. Next one is Yahweh Nisi, which is the Lord my banner. Next one is Yahweh Ore, the Lord my light. Next one is the Lord our maker. Next one is Yah Ozi. That one is translated as the Lord Yah my strength. Next one is Yahweh Roi. That one is translated as the Lord my shepherd. Next one is the Lord your healer. Next one is Yahweh Sali and that is translated as the Lord my rock.
Next one is Yahweh Shalom. The Lord is peace. Next one is the Lord is present and that one is Yahweh Shema. I love that one. That's beautiful. Next one is the Lord our judge. Next one is the Lord thy keeper. Next one is Tove Yahweh and that is the good Lord. Next one is the righteous Lord. Next one is the Lord of hosts. Next one is Yahweh Jeskinu and that is translated as the Lord our righteousness. The next one is the Lord thy shade. The next one is Yahweh Yireh. That one is translated as the Lord shall provide. I love that. So right there the Lord shall provide. And that comes from Genesis. So if the Lord provides, what exactly do you think he is providing you? Do you think he is providing you death, disease, destruction, poverty, lack, and then claiming that's God trying to make you humble? That's not how God humbles people. And if the Lord is your provider, which he is, he provides you with everything you need and everything you want, as long as it is legal and moral, right? So say for example, you are, I'm going to use an extreme example. Let's say you are a drug dealer or you have a drug addiction problem either way. And let's say that you have needs and you want drugs. And so you ask God to give you drugs. Well, if that could hurt you and harm you and if it's not good for you, he's not going to give you drugs. but you might actually renew your strength so that you can resist temptation to those drugs so that way you can get back out there and live a great and wonderful life without dependence on drugs like that. When I talk about drugs, I'm not talking about legal prescription drugs and things that treat illnesses and things like that. I'm talking about illicit or illegal drugs that are on the streets, things like that. Like things that you don't actually need to survive. Like we're not talking about antibiotics or cancer drugs or Tylenol or whatever the case may be. We're talking about things that you don't actually need and that you have never been prescribed per se. So just FYI, be aware of that. Uh, the next one is El Bethel. That one is called or translated as the God of Bethel. Next one is El Beret, and that is the God of Covenant. Next one is El Deot, the God of Knowledge. Next one is the most high god. Next one is the god of truth. Next one is the great god. So, if you are a Christian and you're worshiping the one true god, do you think he's great or do you think he's lousy? You know, what's interesting is that I never meet poor people that think god is awesome. What I typically see is people think that them being poor is God teaching them to be humble and they have this false perception that God is causing them to be poor and to live in poverty so that must mean he loves them that's not a great god that's a cruel god and we do not worship a cruel hateful god god doesn't make people poor the devil does that So if you got something funky going on in your life it's not from God it's from the evil one and you need to you need to call it like you see it And you need to go to the God of Abraham with this stuff and you need to say Lord help me with this. Because here's the thing, if you don't think you worship a great God and it's just all about you and your humbleness and 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 your poverty and and you're so holy because you're poor, you know what? You are not setting a good example for anyone in society.
None whatsoever. And to be blunt, you will die a miserable failure because you are not living the right kind of life. You are not setting the best example of what it means to be a child of God. Because what kind of a father forces his children to be poor and doesn't care if or when they die? Or that they can't feed themselves. They don't have access to food, water, and shelter. That is not a good father. You know, here in the United States, that would be considered abuse. And people typically go to jail for abusing their children. So that's why I ask you, what do you think it means whenever it says the great God? And I ask that because I meet so many people that have false humility. They think that by lecturing against the prosperity gospel that that makes them holy and that makes them a teacher it does and it makes them a fool. There is prosperity in the gospel. We need prosperity. Look at all the debt that is in our country. Look at all the homeless people. And here's the thing, the solution is not socialism. It's not marxism. It's not fascism, it's not communism. It's our heavenly father and under the umbrella of our heavenly father is capitalism and democracy because it has only been under capitalism and democracy that we have had true freedom true freedom to be successful as much as we possibly can and that's because of our heavenly father that we can be successful so if you are not successful the devil is messing with you in your career and your home life and you need to rebuke that You just need to say devil get behind me I rebuke you. And stomp your feet on him. Just say devil get under my feet. You know what I did one time? This is a few years ago. I was so irritated about something the devil did that I wrote devil get under my feet. <coughs> Excuse me, sorry, I'm losing my voice a little bit. I wrote devil get under my feet on my shoes, on every pair of shoes, and so everywhere I walked, <laughs> I was stomping on him. Nobody knew about it. it's just between me and God and you know the devil knew what I was doing because I think he's a jerk. That's what you need to do. If something is causing you to stumble and fall, you need to put it under your feet and you need to rise up. It does not pay to be poor. It is not healthy to be sick. It is not wise to be foolish. That comes from the Bible. God gives us the best advice for sure. The next one on this list is the God of recompenses. Next one is El Gibor. That is the mighty God. Next one is El Gomer, the God who performs. Next one is the living God. I love that. We do not worship an idol. We do not worship idols in general anyway, if you're Christian. But we do not worship a dead god and we do not worship a god that promotes death. So for example, let's say you get diagnosed with something or your kid does or you know whatever the case may be, if you have that stupid opinion and I literally mean stupid that oh god's trying to teach me something, you are a moron and an idiot and you have found you're not found but you have fallen for one of the dumbest things that the devil can do. And you fell for it. You fell for it. 
You think that God uses death and disease to teach people a lesson? The lesson is in his holy word. So why would God use death and disease to teach you something when he's already taught us? I've said this before so many times of the years. Me personally, I do not accept anything less than God's best. Because anything less than God's best does not measure up to what God wants for me and my life and my future and my destiny. And I take those things very seriously. Because it is not by accident that we are here on this earth, that we are here on this planet to do our best and to serve the one true God. But if you think God is a murderer, you have totally believed the lies of the devil. And I've used this example in another podcast I do. I have a couple of different ones. I have a podcast called The Endurance of Labor Laws, and then I have another podcast that's called God's Holy Word. So, I gave an example of something that I can't stand, and it's a St. Jude Hospital commercial, and I, you know, once I saw this commercial, I never gave to St. Jude again. I'm not even on their mailing list because I was so disgusted by this ad. So, of course, St. Jude Hospital is for little kids, right? That have cancer, you know, they're trying to beat it, all that good stuff, right? So the, so they're trying to survive and thrive and to be healed, right? Well, of course, to raise money, they use um, you know, the tearjerker story. I was like, "Okay, let's hear it, you know." Well, this woman, her daughter gets diagnosed with cancer. It's a little girl, maybe like a 4 or 5-year-old, something like that. She's maybe in grade school, maybe like really young. So, the first thing out of this woman's mouth in this ad was We're talking about her daughter and talking about how her daughter got diagnosed with cancer. She goes, "Oh God, please don't take my daughter. Please don't take my daughter." And my mouth just dropped because she thinks God is putting cancer on her child. It's like if you think God is evil and he is putting cancer on your child, why would you go to him and ask him to heal your child? Like why why would you go to a horrible god that uses cancer to hurt and harm children? Like that that ideology makes no sense but that false doctrine is rampant in the Catholic Church as well as you know that cult Church of Christ and some other churches and it's like you know what we are not called to be in cults we are not and God did not put cancer on that child the devil did that it really shocks me whenever people Whenever they have this false thinking and they truly believe it. They truly believe that God is causing all these problems. And their excuse is, well, you know, we got kicked out of the garden. We live in a fallen world and God's just trying to teach us a lesson. Again, the lesson is in his holy word. Me personally, I'm so sick and tired of people saying, "Oh, we live in a fallen world." Well, that doesn't give you permission. at all to falsely accuse God of being a killer just because we don't live in the garden anymore that doesn't mean that we can't have a good life that doesn't mean that that we can't be healed but if you think God is the author of death and disease that's your biggest problem right there it's you you are the problem You are the one that is claiming God is doing all this stuff when he's trying to heal you. He's trying to protect you. But here's the thing. People may not know this and this is one reason why I started this other podcast, The God of Abraham, because so many people do not understand 
the God of Abraham. They do not understand the Father, the Son, Holy Spirit. So they they have this false perception that because we live in a fallen world that God causes all these problems. That's not true. Another thing that people forget is that whenever you buy into and you believe these false premises and you 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 believe these false theologies and and you get indoctrinated into something that's just horrible and evil but but you're claiming it's holy you are you are removing the hedge of protection that God had around you God's holy word is a hedge of protection I'll say it again God's holy word is your personal hedge of protection and I guarantee you If that mother who was in that St. Jude commercial, tears and all playing her violin, if she had just shut her mouth and focused on the goodness of God, it would have been a totally different story. Totally different. You know, the battlefield is in the mind. It's in the mind. It is spiritual warfare we are dealing with on a daily basis. This is daily, folks. This isn't just yearly or on a feast day or something. This is daily. This is why daily we need to renew our mind. We need to do that. And you know, let me say this: words have power. Words have meaning. That's why I wish that woman in that ad had just shut her mouth and had only been speaking the goodness of God. Still go see a doctor. Doctors are given to us by God to get healthy, I mean to to be our best selves and to live a long and wonderful life. That's great because God has blessed us with with modern medicine. That is so wonderful. But if you truly believe that God is trying to kill you and or your kid or something, you're inviting the devil into your home. You're inviting all these bad spirits You are inviting all these bad spirits that can easily manifest into other diseases and other problems. Don't do that. Listen folks, we need to start slamming our front door in the devil's face. You need to be careful what you allow into your home, into your mind, into your heart, into your soul, and you need to watch your words. Big time. Cuz let me say this, there's only so much modern medicine can do, but with God all things are possible. But if you think God is the author of death, disease and destruction and poverty and that oh, he's trying to teach me something, you have totally just ripped apart the hedge of protection that God had put around you. And guess what? As long as you are the one ripping it up, he can't replace it. That doesn't mean that he doesn't want to. It's just that you're the problem. Your mind, your will, your emotions are the issue. God is not the issue. Never has been. Never will be. But moving on, uh, the next one is the living God, the gracious God, El Kana, the jealous God, the God of glory, my God, my King, the faithful God. I love that one. Here's the thing. If you're going through something really tough, just know that God is faithful. God is faithful. 
I was going to say read some song lyrics about faithfulness, but some of them really suck. So <laughs> I'll see if I can't find some really good songs for you guys because I love to read lyrics because I was raised uh singing and playing the piano and also play the violin and the cello, so I'm very musically oriented and I've learned that sometimes lyrics are not written the way that you think. There are some very Debbie Downer so-called Christian songs out there that no one should ever sing. When it comes to listening to a Debbie Downer Christian song, I would rather listen to Rob Zombie, you know, than listen to something that that is just going to really break your heart. Because at least with Rob Zombie, I'm not saying you should listen to it, but I'm saying like at least with Rob Zombie, you you know he's just an entertainer. He's not trying to teach you or preach you something, right? But a bad Christian song, it will brainwash you. Like I'm not worthy and all that kind of stuff. You are worthy. You are worthy. What you hear, what you speak and what you tell yourself and what you think about yourself is what you become. And if you don't think you're worthy, especially of God's love, your life will fall apart. And God doesn't want that for you. Moving on, let's see here. The next one is the faithful God, God that avenges. El Nora, awesome God. El Nose, the forgiving God. El Olam, the everlasting God. The merciful God. El Rodi, the God who sees me. El Shaddai, I love that one. The almighty God. Woo! I love that one. Love it, love it, love it. The God of Jeshurun, God of gods, the God of the Hebrews. I love that. The God of all flesh. I love that one because I used to suffer from eczema and I don't anymore because God healed me of it. Eczema was so horrible. I mean, I lost half a head of hair due to eczema breaking out on my scalp, and then it broke out in so many other places. It would weep, it would bleed, it would get infected, and it was like nothing I did made it better. And I had to use these stinky, awful ointments, and I got sick of it. I had to use these horrible shampoos. They stunk up my hair. They stunk up the bathroom. I'm like, I'm not doing this anymore. I said, Lord, I can't take it. Take care of it. He took it away from me. And you want to know why he healed me? And he took that away from me because he bore all of our sicknesses and diseases on the cross over two thousand years ago. So if you think God can't help you or your flesh, you are so wrong, so wrong. Next one is the God of judgment or justice. I love this because I can think about how many times my rights have been violated. My God supplies all my needs, and He will go after my enemies, and He will go after people that have wronged me. And you know what? I know God's going to take care of it, so I don't worry about it. I still do what's right on my end, but I know when to pass the hockey puck to God. I think we need to do a better job of that. Next one is the God of my praise, the God of Jerusalem. I love that. Elohim, God, the God of Abraham, God in heaven, the God of David, the God of Elijah, God my helper. I love that. Here's why I love that one. God my helper. What do you think God's job is? What do you think He does for you? See, if you believe. That God wants you to be poor, sick, helpless. Would you call that a God who helps you, or would you call that a God who destroys you? This is why we need to read God's holy word and start from the beginning 
of the Bible and go all the way to the end. And also, we are going to discuss what's called the complete 54 book apocrypha. These are writings that were discredited stupidly and removed from the Bible, and they should have never been removed from the Bible, never. Because many of these books that have been basically taken out of the Bible and forbidden from the Bible by some stupid committee years ago or whatever, every single one of these is listed one way or another in the Old Testament and a couple in the New Testament. So it's like if the Bible is mentioning, hey, this is where this verse comes from, why isn't that original text in the Bible? See, this is what happens when you put bad people in charge of the church. And back then it would have been the Catholic Church because Catholicism, for some stupid reason, Catholicism took over all Christianity. Catholicism is not from God. That may shock some people, but God gave us Christianity. He did not give us Catholicism. That was made up by mankind. I've said this before in times past. God did not create religion. Mankind did that. God just wants us to worship him. And to believe in him. That's all he wants. He wants fellowship with us. We are the ones that put all these stupid labels on and then manipulate it. Which is very much like what the, what's it called? The Pharisees and the Sadducees did. The Pharisees and the Sadducees super educated, super dedicated. They're educated and dedicated, but they made people's lives a living hell. Literally. And that was not their job. Their job was to help people draw closer to God, but they used the rules, laws, and regulations of their religion and of the land against their very own people. They weren't even that mean to their enemies like that in terms of religion and, and doctrine and things like that, but the Pharisees and Sadducees, they really loved their fancy garments and their tassels. Here's the thing. God is all for you dressing up. God is all for you being reverent and showing awe and wonder and all those wonderful things in his temple. But none of those things are supposed to be used against his flock. Never, never, never. Okay, so that one was God, my helper. Next one is the holy God. God, our refuge. The God of Jacob. God, our guide. The God of Israel. The God of Isaac. Yeshua, Jesus, Savior, Abba, Father, Adonai, Lord, Lord of Lords, the Amen, Emmanuel, God with us, and the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. So needs to say, none of those names of God, and, and those are just the ones that I know of from this poster. There's probably way more in God's holy word, especially considering that we are reading a translation of a translation of a translation. None of those names of God tell me that he causes death, disease, cancer, poverty, none of that. It's the opposite. The Lord is my shepherd. He is my helper. He is my shield. He is my fortress. He is my savior. He loves me. He does not hate me. He wants what is best for me. So he used to say, don't be like that stupid woman on the St. Jude Hospital commercial And I don't think she's purposely being stupid. It's just that she's been indoctrinated. <laughs> so she needs to wake up. And I hope and pray her daughter is still alive and has defeated that cancer for sure. 
I, I hope and pray that. But I also hope and pray that St. Jude Hospital stop raising money like that because it's raising money off of a lie. It's like, you know, St. Jude, think about that name, St. Jude. It's a person named Jude that's a saint, right? So if they're a saint, they're obviously in heaven, correct? So if you're, if you're talking about, or if you have an, have an organization that is named after a saint, isn't it kind of insulting in God, uh, to God to name your organization after a saint that's in heaven, but then almost every commercial you have or every kind of fundraiser, it's always causing people to doubt the goodness of God. And so that's why they're giving money because St. Jude Hospital is making it seem like it is God. Here, give us your money. We will find the cure. God's not helping. What a lie straight out of the pit of hell. What a lie. So after I saw that commercial, I was like, I'm not giving them another dime. I'm not giving them anything. Anything. They need a Bible is what they need. They need a reformation is what they need. They need to wake up to the goodness of God. I mean, can you just imagine how many people they could help, how many children they could cure and treat and heal if they actually believed in the goodness of God? And I'll close with this because I'm going over time a little bit. You'd be surprised how many doctors are atheists or Buddhists or Muslim or something. They don't even believe in the one true God. This is a problem within our medical community within the United States. We need more Christian doctors. We need more Christian healthcare workers that actually believe in God, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, and they actually believe in healing. And they actually believe in the goodness of God. Not some stupid theology, not some false indoctrination. but they actually believe the truth about the god of abraham. You know what's interesting is that have you ever noticed that whenever you've been lied to it really hurts? But whenever you get told the truth it's refreshing, it's healing to your soul. It's the exact same way with god's holy word. God's holy word is the truth. But half the time what we see and what we're told online or on television shows or commercials or this other stuff or some of these not so good churches we get told all these lies but it's made to seem like it's truth and you're probably thinking well well how will i know if something's true or not you need to pray about it you need to go to god and i don't mean these wimpy whiny prayers you need to go to god and ask him is this the truth Lord guide me. Give me wisdom. Go to him every day multiple times a day. If that's what you need, do it. God's not going to hurt you. God's not going to harm you. God's not going to scold you. He's not going to say, "Oh, you're bothering me again. I'm at Sonic. Do you mind?" No, he's not going to say that. He loves you. Even better, read his holy word. Read his holy word. That is where you will find the answer to all of your problems. And I'm speaking from experience on this. 
You know, what's interesting is that when I stopped going to people for help or for answers to my problems and I started going to God and I started going to his holy word, my life got so much better. My life greatly improved. It's way less stressful, way less complicated. And guess what? My health has tremendously gotten better. Tremendously. That is no accident. When you rely on God, he greatly rewards you. Greatly. And that does include money. Cuz God knows you have bills. He knows what the price of gas is. He knows how stupidly high it is right now in the United States. Because we're not producing like we were. Sometimes administrations are stupid and they pull the whole environmental green card or whatever and say, "Oh, we're not going to drill here. We're going to import and it turns out to be dirty oil, dirty gas." And it's like, "Wow. Um the private sector really took a hit in terms of a whole bunch of job loss, but you know, God knows all that. So whenever tough times happen, that's when you should be asking God for money. That's when you should be asking for prosperity. That's when you should be focusing on the blessing of Abraham. And let me close with this. If you're one of these people that snubs your nose at the prosperity gospel that comes from God's holy word, God is not the problem. You and your false ideology are the problem. And if you are preaching that false ideology, shame on you because you are lying. You are misguiding the flock. You're telling them, "Oh, it's normal for a wolf to bite your heel. It's normal to be slaughtered. It's normal to not have hay. It's normal to not feel secure." No, that 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 is not true at all. We are God's people. We are his flock. He is our shepherd. Have you never seen the staff that a shepherd holds? It has a gentle, I would say curve. It's not a hook per se, but it has a curve on the tip of it. But it's a really long, basic, really thick walking stick, but it's it's a really large staff, right? Shepherds beat the tar out of wolves or dogs or anything that is threatening their flock. They beat them. The shepherd doesn't beat his flock. He beats the enemy. Think about that. If you're believing in a false ideology, you are preventing God from whooping up on your enemies. You are preventing God from helping you because you are choosing to be fallen. You are choosing to be a victim. You are choosing to be oppressed. It's completely different when you just happen to be the victim and, you know, there is oppression there. But it wasn't your fault. If you're choosing it, then it is your fault. Take responsibility and just say, I'm not going to be a victim anymore. I'm not a victim. I have the victory. I am not oppressed or depressed. I am abundantly blessed. And I want a huge house. I want a fancy car. I want a beautiful swimming pool. Just, just say what you want. Take it up with God. Make a list of everything you want. 
God is not a a a magic genie in a lamp. He's your heavenly father. He wants you to be happy. He wants to bless you. And if having a, a fancy car makes you happy, he'll get you one. That's not greed. That's not materialism. It's a loving father wanting to show the blessing of Abraham to his children. If you think God is not for blessing his children, then wouldn't you think it's kind of weird if you know, let's say you have a family. You have a mother and a father, husband and wife, they have a bunch of kids. And let's say they believe in that whole anti-prosperity gospel thing, like they're they're against prosperity. Do you really think those parents You know, come Christmas morning, their kids run down to the Christmas tree and they're going to be like, "Hey, there aren't any presents." Do you really think the parents are going to walk into the living room and say, "Oh, well, you know, we're against prosperity." I mean, you don't want to be for greed, do you? Oh, you want a present? Gee, what a greedy little child you are. How dare you want something nice? How dare you want a bicycle? Don't you know there's kids starving in Africa? Who who are you to have a bicycle? Is that normal? No. That is hateful, horrible, despicable, disgraceful parenting. So if you think God is against prosperity, then you are absolutely stupid. And you do not understand at all what it means to be a parent. You do not understand at all what it means to be a child of God and to be blessed. God is not for poverty. He is for wealth. He is for blessing. He is for abundance. Read the Bible. Read the Bible. There is an abundance of scripture that is getting overlooked willfully and knowingly, but in a very stupid, ignorant manner, and all for the sake of being pompous and oh, I know it all. I got news for you. The moment you think you know it all, That is proof right there you don't know a darn thing. Because you don't know it all. There's only one individual that knows everything and that's the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. If you're not one of them, you got nothing. And because you got nothing, you need something. And so you need to take all your requests to God. And and please do not lift up those wimpy whiny prayers. You may not know what those are. It's oh lord if it be thy will get me a better job. Oh lord, get me a car but only if it be your will. If it's not your will, I don't want it. Bull! Bull! Oh my goodness. The word if should be banned from the English language. It should be banned. We do not worship a god that says, "Oh yeah, if it be my will, I might help you." Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. You, you you really do look awful with that leprosy. Oh, but, oh, but if it be my will, I might heal you. But if I don't, then you know you should just really give thanks for the rats eating your arm. No, like seriously, that's the problem with the word if and and lifting up these stupid, wimpy, whiny prayers that go nowhere but drag you down to the pit of hell in your mind and your soul. Because whenever you lift up those wimpy, whiny prayers, you're basically telling God, "Well, I believe you, but you know, I believe in you, but I just don't think you really care. I don't think you're really good, God." So that's why I'm using the word if. I'm using the word if because if it doesn't come to pass then 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 I'm not going to get mad at you. 
Seriously, stop being a stupid hick. Stop being a stupid hick. Oh Lord, if it be Thy will, heal me. Really? Come on. Come on. Like, you know, let me ask you this: How sick do you have to be to cry out to God and say, "Heal me now"? I can't take it. How poor do you have to be before you cry out to the God of Abraham and say, "Lord, help me, pay my bills. I'm, I'm going to be kicked out. Help me. I'm not going to have a home." I mean, seriously. One of the reasons why God's holy word is there for us. It's a manual. It's a guidebook. It's like Google Maps on steroids, but way better. You know, the Bible's not pagan. Google is. It's, it's really not that great, and it, it stalks you. So, not a fan of that, Google. But needless to say, God's holy word can and will save you, but you have to give it a chance. So change your prayer life if it's not good. And if you're not lifting up one prayer a day, that's probably a big indicator right there that you do not have a strong relationship with God, and you are not having fellowship with God. And I don't mean that you have to spend an hour in like a prayer closet or something. It's just good morning, Jesus. I love you. That's a prayer. That's beautiful. And just wait for Him to speak to you. And there are times that you know you you might need to have a long conversation with God, or He might need to have a conversation with you. But if you willfully remove that hedge of protection that God is trying to provide for you, then you are to blame. God is not. So don't be stupid. Be smart. Read God's holy word. And look up the seventy-seven names of God, and you will be so blessed, my friends. You will be so blessed because you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Because the truth does not entrap you. Lies do that. Anything from the enemy will always entrap you. And here's the thing: when you know the truth, and you believe it, and it is in your heart. You will know when you have just heard a lousy message at church, <laughs> and you'll be like, "That is so wrong." But instead of yelling at the woman, which is what I really want to do from the crowd, I prayed for her because she has an ego problem. She has an ignorance problem. She has a problem with greed. I've noticed that whenever people are anti-prosperity. They have a tremendous problem with money and greed, big time. So, being that that is what I think is going on, because I can identify that stuff pretty quick, because I've seen it so many times. That's why it's all the more important to pray for those people as opposed to yelling at them. Now, when I was younger, I'm only 39, but when I was like a teeny bopper in my early 20s, I would totally yell at people, <laughs> totally. And you know that's never really appropriate per se, although it is fun and exciting in a way. But、um, it's not appropriate, so you shouldn't do it. But I've learned that there is peace in the storm when you give it to God. 
See, because here's the thing. Let's say, for example, I had yelled at that woman. She's going to think I'm a nut. People around me that don't understand that what she's saying is wrong, maybe they'll believe in her. They're going to think I'm a nut, and they're going to think I'm wrong. So it's like, you know what? No one can question God. That's why I give it to him. Because I know, hey, someone that is this pompous and arrogant and claims to be humble, they're not going to listen to me. I've come across this in times past so many times. They don't listen to me. They don't care about me. Fine. I get everything I need from my Heavenly Father. And I know that people like that typically do not change until they fall to their knees and they ask God to forgive them. So that's between her and God, and that's where it should be. Because I'm not her boss. I'm not a relative. I, I, I had never met the woman before. In fact, I've never even met her. I've just heard her stupid message. But needless to say, when you, when you lift that up in prayer, it's, it's no longer you on the hook. It's no longer you being irritated. Because just think about it. If you know that what someone is doing is wrong, And it really bothers you. Just imagine how angry God is. That's the thing. And God woke me up. God woke me up to that several years ago. I felt the Holy Spirit talk to me and just speak to my heart. Not audibly, but just on the inside. It said, you think you're mad? You think you're mad? You think you're offended? Look at how it makes me feel. And I was like, oh, wow. It's not about me. And I was so grateful for that message from God. I was so grateful for that. It's like, okay, you know, I can get irritated, agitated, angry, whenever. But there's a righteousness in anger. And so within that righteousness in anger, you know your place. And I don't mean that negatively. I just mean that. God's timing is better than my loud mouth of my youth. So it's in those moments I say, God, help me to use this voice for good. Help me to recognize a bad message and to recognize a good message. And the message I heard was not good. <laughs> and And it bothers me whenever I hear a not so good message because I'm like, I just wasted my brain space on this. But I thought, you know, this is a golden opportunity to talk about this because whenever we hear a bad message, it, it shouldn't it shouldn't deter us from getting to know God even more. Because I'm like, oh, I know exactly what what verses she's talking about. And she is so wrong because she's kind of like, you know, I know God's holy word. I know God's holy word and my, my God knows me. I think one of the reasons why it irritated me so much because it just made me think how many people are going to believe what she's saying. And they're going to have this negative mindset about prosperity. I'm like, you know what? It sucks to be poor. It's not holy to be poor. Like these stupid people that take a vow of poverty. Wow. You're basically saying that to be cursed is to be holy. It is not. Read the Bible. Read the Bible. Please do. Read the Bible. Read the Bible. There is blessing and favor, forgiveness, mercy, abundance of joy and happiness in the Bible. It, it is not about being poor. 
Being poor sucks. You can't pay your bills. You don't have access to good health care because health care does cost money. It's not free. Even under socialism, it's not free. Socialized medicine is even more expensive than privatized medicine because you, you've put your health care in the hands of, of a really bad government who can't even run a DMV. I think about, you know, there's a reason why God wants to bless his children. He wants all of us to be rich. All of us. So again, the prosperity gospel is real. It's true, but it's from God's holy word. It's not from a bad preacher. It's from his holy word. And I will grant you that there have been some bad preachers over the years. I can't think of any off the top of my head. That they have taken the prosperity gospel and warped it into something bad. But that's a reflection of that person's bad heart. That is not a reflection of God because there is prosperity in the gospel. There is prosperity all throughout God's holy word and it starts from Genesis and goes all the way to Revelation. So being that prosperity comes from God, who are we to say, no, thank you, God. We got this. We know what's wrong. We, we know what's good and bad. So we don't need you to tell us about this. The arrogance of that. That is called arrogante. <laughs> you do not want to be that. Because who is the creation to tell the creator, oh, we know what's right, you don't. That's calling God a liar. The enemy is the liar. The devil is the liar. God is not. So again, Read God's holy word. And you know what? Even if you've read the Bible before, reread it and look for the word blessing and favor all throughout the Bible. And I don't just mean Google it. I want you to read it for yourself. And take note, every time there is blessing and favor mentioned in the Bible. It's a lot. And just remember, blessing and favor come from God, and there's nothing wrong with it. If it comes from God, it's holy, it's true, and it's good. I will go ahead and end this podcast, but as usual until next time, I pray that you're happy, healthy, and whole, that you have a wonderful day and a wonderful week. Thank you so much. God bless and bye-bye.
Don't let this world go down without a fight